Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. If you're a visitor, we're glad that you're here. If you have any other opportunity to come and worship with us, we hope you will do so. Um, what we're going to talk about this morning, I believe, is very relevant. We're going to talk about godly love. You know, what brought this sermon on was the last sermon I gave, I talked about uh, being a good leader. And I said a leader leads with love. And I used that first half of the reading that Brother Jacob read for us this morning. I thank him for doing that. Talking about how if you do anything without love, it means nothing. So if you lead without love, it would mean nothing. But then I went home, and throughout the week I was flipping through the TV station before I was going to bed. And I got to one of these kind of psychological shows. I don't know how I got to that. I might have fallen asleep with something else and woke up with that on. I don't know. But anyway, I, I, I woke up and saw that, and there was this lady on there. goes, I don't know how I can act like I love my husband when I don't feel that. I'm like, huh. You don't feel love, so you can't act loving. I'm like, okay. And you know what? In the world today, that is what love is to them. It's this emotion. It's something that they feel. It's not something that they do. It's not something how way, a way they act. It's something that they feel. And if they don't feel, they're not going to act like they love somebody. And the more we're going to look at the worldly love and godly love and kind of show the difference between the two and show that we can actually do that. Now, first of all, when you think of worldly love, what does the world tell us about love? Maybe Valentine's Day. You know Valentine's Day is a big day where people celebrate love. People are, have their emotions. I mean, you get emotional. You feel close to the one you love on Valentine's Day. You may go out and have a nice dinner. You may buy chocolate or roses. Whatever you do, you do something on Valentine's Day. You show the person you love that you love them. And that's something that is done in, in worldly love, and that's how the world pictures love. Maybe another thing is a wedding day. You know, a wedding day, you can get wrapped up in the emotion of a wedding day. It's great. We just had uh, Jerrica and Trevor get married. Allison and Ryan are fixing to get married. You know what? It's a great day. I still remember my wedding day. It was a great day. It was fun. Is every day of my marriage like my wedding day? No, it is not. Let me tell you that right now. I wish it was. If every day in a marriage was like the wedding day, the divorce rate would not be at 50%. I'll tell you that right now. But it doesn't last that way. But we get wrapped up in that emotion, and it's a great day. And there's nothing wrong with having emotion on a wedding day. But when the emotion is all it is, that's where the problem comes in. Because that emotion is going to change. As Danny taught us in his last lesson he gave, feelings and emotions change all the time. I can run through the gambit of emotions on a daily basis. Sometimes two or three times in a day. Depending on what's going on that day, I can run through those emotions like nothing. Maybe it's a wedding anniversary. You know, those are good days. You know, my grandparents, before they both passed, they celebrated, I believe the last one they celebrated was the 56th wedding anniversary. You know, they had celebrations throughout the years on their milestones. You know what? Those were fun days. But was every day in that 56 years like that? No. Because people have problems. There's things that come up. People get irritated. People get upset. People get mad. People don't always feel that emotion of love like they should. Because our emotions change. You know, one thing I want you to remember is God never commanded you not to have emotions. He commanded you to control your emotions. You know, one of the biggest emotions we think about is anger. And you know what the, the Bible says about anger? It doesn't say don't be angry. Some people say that the Bible says don't be angry. No, that's not what the Bible says about anger at all. You know what it says? It says be angry and sin not. It doesn't expect you not to have these emotions, but he expects you to control the emotions you have. So what we're going to look at, well, let's actually look into the dictionary. I looked into Webster's Dictionary, which is always a good place to go, I guess, for definitions of words, even though some of the words in there, I was like, that's even a word, but okay. We'll look at, we'll look at the definition of love. 
Strong affection or another arising out of kinship or personal ties. Okay, that was the first definition, which is, means it's the most widely accepted, if I remember correctly from my high school English class. The next one was affection and tenderness felt by lovers. So that's the next most widely accepted one. And then third, affection based on admirations, benevolence, or common interests. You know what the common word in all that is? Affection. So I, being the not very bright man I am, had to go look up affection to find out what that was. Affection is a gentle feeling or fondness or liking. You know what? I don't always feel that. That's an emotion. That is an emotion-based definition. So the world tells us love is an emotion. But what does God tell us? You know in that scripture Jacob read, he told us what love it was and what love wasn't. And he, and he listed it out very clearly. And here I took out all the loves and everything else, and we're just going to talk about what these words are. Let's look at this. Suffers long, is kind, does not envy, does not parade itself, not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know what's amazing about this, these words that he used to describe love? Not on one of them is based on emotion. That's all stuff you can do whether you feel like doing it or not. You know, when I was a young man in high school, I, uh, I guess it was about my uh, uh, junior or senior year because I was driving at the time. Uh, I had a football scrimmage on a Friday uh, night in August. And the next Saturday, my uncle had just cut some hay, and he really needed to get it out of the field because it was supposed to rain that Sunday and Monday. And my dad goes, uh, okay, son, we're going to get up Saturday morning, and we're going to go uh, help Alan Hall this hay. I'm like, I just got through playing a football game. I am sore. I don't want to do this. I told my dad, I don't feel like doing it. He goes, I didn't ask you if you felt like doing it. I said, we're doing it. So I went out there and did it. You know what? I didn't feel like doing it, but I did it anyway. I hauled that hay. We hauled hay for about a good 10 hours that day. By the end of the day, I was even more sore than I was from the football game before. But I did it. We can do these things and not feel like doing it. I can be mad at somebody and still treat them kindly. I can be mad at someone and still not think evil of them. I can do these things without really wanting to. The problem is a lot of times I want to do it the opposite way. I want to let my emotions show and let, really let go. So we're going to look at some of these things, and I'm, I've picked out a few. I haven't, um, we're not going to cover the whole list here, but I picked out a few. I think that especially in this country and with people in general is a real problem when it comes to love. We're going to, first one is long-suffering. You know, that's just a big word for patience. Am I patient with people? You know, I'm not always as patient as I need to be. Amber can tell you sometimes my patience runs real thin. But let's look at what the Bible says about it. In Ecclesiastes 7 and 9, Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. You know what happens whenever, do not hasten, don't be quick to be angry, because anger rests in the bosom of fools. You ever got angry and lost your patience and acted the fool? Yeah, I've done that. I've done that quite a bit, actually, <laughs> probably. Probably a lot more than what I should, than what I should, but I've done that. 
It's the true thing. When you lose your patience, you can act a fool real quick. You know, I was coming home from work, and I work odd hours because uh, when we haul concrete, I got to work at midnight that night. And I was on my way home. It was about midnight, about noon in the middle of the day. And I got to, right near our house is a railroad crossing. And what they did at that railroad crossing, they got the gates, of course, but they also put in a center curb where you couldn't do the little turnaround thing when the train was there. Well, the train was there and it stopped. Evidently, they were loading something up. It was noon, so they were doing some sort of work on loading a car, I'm sure, at one of the warehouses nearby. And I was behind the car in front, and there was another car behind me, so I couldn't move. Because if you backed up a certain ways, you could get around that curb, but the curb was only like, I guess, 20, 30 feet. But I was behind this car that couldn't move, and there was a car behind me. And evidently, the lady in front of me really had to get somewhere really quick. I was thinking, maybe I might get to take a 15-minute nap here. I've been up since midnight. I'll just sit here and wait for this train. But this, this lady got out of her car, started waving her arms, cussing at us, telling us to back up. She had to get out of there. You know what? People had their cell phones out recording her while she was doing that. I don't know if it ever got posted anywhere, but people saw her lose her patience and act a fool. And you know what? I thought just for a brief second, even if that car behind me moves, I'm not going to move. I want to see how far this will go. I was enjoying the show. I'm like, how far is this lady willing to take it? If I just sit here after the car behind me backs up, what's she going to do? But I thought better of it. I was studying for this lesson. I go, well, maybe that's not the best way to handle that. So I went ahead, and when the car behind me backed up, I went ahead and backed up and let her out. But there could be video of that lady somewhere on the Internet right now, and it's going to be out there forever showing her losing her patience and acting the fool. And patience is something that can be worked on. It's not something that we cannot achieve. If we look in James 1 and 19, he basically tells us the same thing. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. My problem is I get those in reverse. I want it to be swift to speak, swift to wrath, and slow to hear. I know what's going on. I may get mad. I'm going to tell you what got mad, and then I'll have egg on my face later and apologize because I didn't understand the whole situation because I didn't listen. <laughs> That's the way people in America think. I'm mad right now on this subject. I don't necessarily know what's going on, but I'm going to react. You know, one of the most patient men I ever met, maybe he worked on it. I'm sure he did. But that was my granddad, T.A. I mean, he, could, he, had, the, he had patience, man. I, I hadn't seen people with that kind of patience before. And I had done something, and it was stupid. I'll tell you, it was stupid right now. I on the farm. I broke something on one of his barns, and he went out there and he showed me how to fix it. He didn't say a single mad word. I'm like, man. Think about what I would do today if that was me. <laughs> Son, we're going to fix this, and you're going to fix it yourself, and I'm not even going to help you. <laughs> but he had patience. Why? Because he probably worked on it. It was probably something he actually worked on. Do we work on that? Do we work on having patience with each other? You know, it's a lot easier to work on having patience with someone when you're not mad at them. When you decide to start working on it, when you're mad at them, you've already lost the battle. And something that I lose very quick after I lose my patience, I lose my kindness real quick. I can be rude and mean, and you know that lady was out there jumping, cussing, waving her arms? That, was, that wasn't very kind. You know, people may not have videoed her if she would have calmly got out of her car and walked back and go, hey, can you please back out because I really got to get somewhere. There, won't, there wouldn't be a video there of her jumping up and down, cussing at everybody, telling them to back up. Well, what does the Bible tell us about kindness? Proverbs 11 and 17, a man who is kind benefits himself, 
but a cruel man hurts himself. You know, her, her reputation may be tarnished forever in certain people's mind when they see that video if it got posted online. It can be tarnished forever. But a kind man benefits himself. You know, there's no, you don't hear very much about the stuff that's kind that's going on in the world because it's not as entertaining as the woman jumping out of the car yelling and cussing at the train. But it benefits you more, and it benefits God more if you're that way. Also in Proverbs 21 and 21, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Do we pursue kindness? We pursue righteousness. I know we have lessons on that all the time, but do we pursue kindness? Is that something we go out of our way to do? You know, again, this is something we can work on. We can work on being kind. You know, there was a popular uh, meme that was on social media. I'm not sure. I'm sure it probably made its way around all the social media platforms. But it says, when we learn in America that we can disagree and still be kind to each other, we'll know we've won something. Just because I disagree with you or just because I'm angry at you doesn't mean I can't be kind. As a matter of fact, more, there's probably a better chance I'm going to resolve it if I'm kind than if I'm rude. Galatians 5 and 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. You know what the definition of love we're talking about? He probably could have taken some of those out if, and just put love because love engulfs a lot of these. But patience and kindness are right there. That is something God has called us to be. It's not just an option we have that you can be kind or you can be patient. But it's something God has commanded us to be as well as loving. Does not behave rudely. You know, the first thing I do when I lose my temper is, like I said, I lose kindness. Sometimes Amber will say something, I'll get, we'll be upset and I'll say something. She'll man, that was just rude. You know what? <laughs> it probably was. But we don't, we, we don't have to behave rudely. It's not something that has to happen. It's not like somebody put a gun in my head and said, okay, say this. It just felt good to say at the time. I was upset and it got my point across. But that didn't mean I had to say it. Does not seek its own. You know, I talked about this a little bit in the leadership lesson too, that the worst thing you can have is a leader that has to have their way all the time. Love, you, don't, you shouldn't have to have your way all the time. It's not seeking its own. You know, one of the best examples we have in the Bible of love not seeking its own is Jesus Christ in the garden. You know what? He said, I don't want to do this. This is not something I want to go through. But if it's your will, I'll do it. And he went ahead and did it. It would have been better off for him not to have done it. He wouldn't have had to have gone through the pain and the agony and the embarrassment and all the things he went through on the cross. But he didn't seek after his own on that one. He thought what would benefit us. How often do we do that? Think about what will benefit others as well as ourselves. I'm not saying you can't make a decision that you don't ever benefit from. I'm not saying that at all. But whenever that's the driving motive, that's not love. That's me being selfish and wanting my way. But there's nothing wrong. I'm not going to try to tell you there's something wrong with making a decision that benefits you. There's not anything wrong with that at all. But when it comes down to the point where it's I'm the only one it benefits and it benefits nobody else around me, that's when it becomes a problem. 
thanks no evil. You know what? I thought a lot of evil of that lady that was out there jumping around cussing at me. I guess the only reason I didn't say anything about it because I was really studying this lesson and didn't, and, and didn't want to have to come up and tell a story about how I lost it on some lady the week of I was preparing this lesson. But how easy is that to think evil of people? You know, maybe they made a mistake. We go, they did that on purpose. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were just a bad person. How many times have you said something like that? You know, it's really easy to get in that mindset whenever we're upset and angry and not very patient of, they're just a bad person and they did it on purpose. Why should I have to stand and put up with that? If you have that kind of mindset where you're constantly thinking evil of people, you're not going to have anybody around you that wants to be around you. There's nobody, not going to be anybody that wants to be around you if you are at that point. Because if I make a mistake, he's just going to think I did it to him on purpose and I don't even want to have to deal with that, so I'm just going to go do something else. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Do we rejoice in iniquity? Now, there's a couple ways you can do this. I'm going to go with the most common way that I've heard this scripture and the way I think it's really applied. Do I rejoice when somebody else falls and I see it and I know I'm better than them? Do I rejoice in somebody else making a mistake and going, oh, yeah, I, I'm better than that. I know I, at least, I may be bad, but at least I didn't do that. I may be bad, but at least I didn't get out of some train and start waving my arms and cussing at people. Do we rejoice in that kind of stuff? Or is the only thing we rejoice in the truth? You know, all these things we talked about this morning are things that we can work on. They're things we can pursue. There are things that can be done to do it, but you just got to make up your mind to do it. There's nobody that's going to be able to force you to do any of these things. I can't get out there and tell you, you've got to act like this and make you do it. I can't do it. You know what? My dad made me go haul that. Hey, I can't do that to you this morning. I can't make you go, okay, you're going to be kind to each other and make sure it happens. I can't do it. It's not something I have control of. All I have control of is what I do. You have control over what you do. But with all that being said, I would like to commend this congregation because I believe we have a loving congregation here. I really do. I believe we have built a culture here of love, and I believe it's known throughout the brotherhood. I believe we have a reputation of being a loving congregation here. Then what's the reason for the sermon this morning? If I believe we have that kind of congregation here, and I believe we have a loving congregation, we have that kind of reputation, then what's the reason that we just talked about this before this morning? Not too long ago, I guess I was, I was in high school sometimes, so I guess it was the mid-90s. You might be able to talk to Mike, and he'll be able to give you exact dates. I'm not sure on the exact dates. I was attending church at Gunner. My parents and Mike were attending church in Princeton. We got home one Sunday, and we were talking, and something happened. He goes, well, Mike's in Denton. And I go, Mike's going to Denton? And he goes, yeah, Mike's going to Denton. I go, there's even a congregation in Denton? I didn't even know, Mike. Sorry, I didn't know there was a congregation here. That's the reputation it didn't have. People probably didn't know, and the reputation it did have probably wasn't that great at that point. And Mike came in, and I remember my dad said something at that lunch. He goes, all Mike's going to have to do is find a couple people that he can get on board, and I think that thing's going to take off. He goes, I think that congregation can take off if he can find a couple people that can get on board. And they, I will tell you right now, what happened, what we have right now was no accident. There was a concentrated plan to build that. People worked at that. 
And whenever I went to my dad and I told him the second time, you know, we uh, met here for a while. We had a baby. Granddad put pressure on, wanting to see the grandbaby. So we decided we'd go back to Gunner for a while. And I went to my dad and I go, but dad, we're not involved. We need to go somewhere where we can be involved. I think I'm going to head back to Ditton. And he goes, okay, well, you got to talk to your granddad. Because granddad was an elder, dad wasn't. I'm like, okay, I'll go talk to granddad. So at lunch one day, I just brought up to granddad. I was like, hey, we're going to Denton. I, was, I, wasn't, I don't know exactly what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting exactly what I got. He goes, okay, that sounds like a good idea to me. He goes, I just want to give, give you one thing as a granddad and as an elder. I'm like, okay, go ahead and tell me what you want me to know. I was thinking it was going to be something big and profound. He goes, don't go down there and mess it up. <laughs> There's been a lot of hard work going on down there. Don't go down there and mess it up. I guess he knew my attitude. He knew that I could be that way sometimes. He goes, whatever you do, Mike and those people down there are putting in a lot of work. Don't go down there and mess it up. And I'm like, wow, that was real profound. Have a lot of faith in me there, granddad. Come on now. But I'm giving you the same thing. Let's not mess it up. Don't mess up what we have going. Do you enjoy when people, when you go somewhere and people go, oh, my kid went to your youth meeting. They had a great time. Y'all were great to them. We loved being there. Or we had a brotherhood meeting. Oh, it was a great brotherhood meeting. We enjoyed being there. Y'all really showed us the love. Do you enjoy those kind of things? I enjoy it. And there's nothing wrong with taking joy out of your hard work that you put in to build something. But it can be gone just like that. All that hard work, the hard work it built, you can destroy it in a lot less time by not working on these things. The leadership here loves you. I can speak for the elders, Mike, the deacons. You can call us at any time and we'll do anything for you. Does that mean we're perfect? No. Does that mean we always act the way we should? No. And I believe anybody in this congregation can call anybody in this congregation and get the same response, which is a great thing. Let's not mess it up. And not only is it about the people that are in this room and maybe watching on Facebook Live, but I want you to remember one thing. Let's look at Matthew 5, 44 and 46. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. You know what? It's really easy to love the people in this room. We've built that relationship. We've had the fellowships. We've built those bonds, bonds that maybe are going to be harder to break because of the strength we've built. But what about, do I love my enemies? Whoo! It's easy to love the people in this room, but you're talking about loving everybody now? That may be a little bit more difficult. You're talking about loving people that hate me? Yeah. Now that I've kind of bragged on myself about the train story, how I didn't react poorly, I'm going to give you an example of what I did here recently. Because I believe it's fitting to go both ways whenever you have a story to go both ways here. I was at a softball game of Delilah's. And we were playing for the game to go to the championship. You know the ring she brought up and showed everybody was proud of? This was to go to the championship game to get that ring. And it was a very close game. Delilah scored the winning run coming around from first and slid under a tag and the umpire called her safe. Well, that was all good and great until somebody in the stands decided to say something called Delilah a derogatory name and said that she was out. Well, I proceeded to lose my cool. 
I was not very nice to that person. I was not very kind to that person. I told her what kind of miserable human being she was, talking about a 10-year-old that way. Told her that she should be ashamed of herself, that she had no class. And I just basically went on a tirade for about 5 or 10 minutes. It was not pretty. Did I love my enemy there? No, I didn't. I told him exactly what I thought, how bad I thought they were, and I was not kind. I was not patient. It felt good at the time, but after I started sitting there thinking for a while, I'm like, man, I really shouldn't have done that. She reacted, and right when I started talking, you could tell she knew she had messed up. And I just kept letting her have it. But... After that was over, she kind of walked away, and I walked over and apologized to her friend. She goes, well, she should be back, and she never came back, so I didn't get a chance to apologize to her, and I kind of felt bad about that. All the parents in the stand said I handled it better than what they would have, but that doesn't say a whole lot, because if you know sports parents, that's probably not the best compliment you can get. But then I got in the car, I started trying to make excuses, and then every time I'd make an excuse, I think of a verse where it said, well, don't do that, and I'm like, man. But I go, well, she shouldn't have talked about it that way. That was just an evil person, and recompense not evil for evil. And I'm like, oh. that came to my head. I was just trying to make excuses where I could feel better about what I did when there was really no excuse that could make what I did any better. I didn't show love that day. I showed hate and anger and resentment to a lady that if she ever sees me again is only going to remember me as the guy that went off on her at a softball game when she made a mistake. Now, I may not see her again. I may. I don't know. We're playing another season this fall. I may see, we may see that team again. I don't know if I'm going to have a way to correct that mistake. But it was a mistake I made. You know, it's easy to love the people in this room and that love you, but when somebody does something like that to you, it's really hard to show that love, isn't it? I didn't pass the test that day. I may have passed the test with the training lady, but that day I did not pass the test. And at the end of the day, in verse 46, it gives it to you. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? If I love the people that love me, I mean, it's no big deal. They love me, I love them. I mean, what's the big thing? There's no big accomplishment in that. It says, don't, don't you even know the tax collectors do the same? And a tax collector was looked down upon at this point. Tax collector was not a very popular person at this point, as they haven't been throughout all time. But at this point, they were really unpopular. He said, even tax collectors love each other, so what reward do you have if you love people that love you? We need to show this kind of godly love to everybody, not just the people in this room or watching on Facebook Live in this congregation, because it's easy to do that, even though we don't need to mess it up. But it's easier to do that than to go out and show love to everybody. And that's what God has called us to do. Maybe we haven't done that. Maybe we've made mistakes like I have, like I told you about this morning. That's fine. You're not going to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. I don't want to get. I don't want to try to get that get across the fact that you have to be perfect in doing this. It's not going to happen. But we can work on it. We can work on being better at being patient, being kind, not enjoying going off on others when they go off on us. Because it, it felt good for a minute there. It really did. It felt really good there for a minute for me. But then when the, the, after the good feeling was gone all that came on was embarrassment we need to go out and show everybody that kind of godly love because that's what God has called us to do and you can start maybe if you haven't been the kind of loving person God has called you to be the good thing is you can start working on that right now it's not something that takes a lot of time to work on 
Now, it's not going to be easy work. I'm not going to tell you that. It's not always easy to be patient and be kind. But it's something that will well be worth the reward in the end. So maybe you need help being that loving person. And remember, we are to love as Christ loved us, and he even died for us. Remember that? So are we willing to love like that, love our enemies? Because if we just love each other, what good have we done? That's easy to do. So when you go out this week, and my challenge to you is to work on being a more loving person, being a more patient person, being a more kind person, because I believe that challenge is found in the scriptures, because that's the way God has called us to be. So if we can help you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing?